You're listening to the Team Flower Podcast, where we talk about flowers and the people who have dedicated their lives to sharing them with the world. We believe that our work with flowers matters, and we are cheering each of you on. This podcast is brought to you by Team Flower's unique How to Become a Florist class, an essential course for those dreaming of joining the floral industry. You did it. You discovered something you love and are passionate about. But now what? That's exactly the question this course offers to answer. Along with four weekly live classes, you'll receive live coaching as well as a personalized career development plan to give you a foundation to stand on. We believe in you. We truly do. And we're here to help. Classes start this Friday, so hop on over to howtobecomeaflorist.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Team Flower Podcast. I am Janine and today I'm chatting with Sierra Steifman um, of the Floral Society in Dobbs Ferry, New York. So at the Floral Society, they create thoughtfully designed floral, garden, and home goods inspired mostly by nature. So Sierra founded um, New York's boutique floral house Poppies and Posies and they are just driven by a love for flowers and are dedicated to sharing um, their expertise with others. The Floral Society was established in 2018, um, and they design and develop tools and objects to awaken the inner creative, encourage the budding florist, and inspire communities to gather, which is just what all of us are about, which is awesome. And if you haven't taken a, the, a moment to check out all that they have, please be sure you do that. You can find them on Instagram at The Floral Society and online at thefloralsociety.com. And I promise that you won't regret it. The things that they have to offer is they're just really awesome. Um, so without further ado, welcome, Sierra. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Okay. Well, usually we just we like to start with hearing your story with flowers. Okay. Like how did you, how did, how and why? Yeah. Um, so when I graduated from college, um, which now feels like a million years ago, um, I moved to New York city and I got a job as, um, an event planner, but it was more corporate styled events and it was pretty short lived, even though I loved my boss and he's been a mentor to me for many years after leaving there. But um, what it did do is it made me realize that I enjoyed working in events and I knew I wanted to start my own company. And I started a company um, with a, a business partner at the time. I was, you know, probably 23, 24. Um, we we're very naive. It's a great time to start a business because you don't realize <laughs> what you're getting into. Um, right. Even though there's so many wonderful parts about it, but there's so many challenges too. Um, but no, that really felt like it was the right move for me. And I, I just couldn't imagine myself working for somebody else, uh, for a long period of time. I think I lasted maybe two years. That was my only job. Um, and when she and I met and got together, she really wanted to, um, also have a portion of the business be flower related. And she really had a passion for flowers and she wanted to to have, um, you know, part of our business offer, uh, is to offer, uh, floral design services. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know anything about flowers. Um, I'm more of a logistical, um, you know, 
focused person or my mm-hmm. brain works in that way more. I never thought of myself as a creative. Um, and she was just kind of like, well, I'll just like teach you what I know. She had gone to, um, the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens for some classes. And she's like, and then we'll just, you know, kind of like create our own style, our own thing. And at that time in like 2007, um, the floral industry was really changing, like the type of flower companies that were out there and what they were offering. And there, it felt like this shift away from like the corner store flower Mm -hmm. shop Mm -hmm. that was more like telefloral or like, you know, much more kind of like classic, like, always looks the same round style. And there was, um, yeah, there was like this rumbling of, uh, this new or like, a it wasn't new. It had, you know, like the, the kind of more artistry of floral design, the garden inspired kind of Dutch masters style obviously had existed, but it was kind of coming back into popularity at that time. Um, but there was really only like a handful of companies I would say in the country doing it. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I'll try it. I'll, you know, see. And then very quickly we were like, okay, we don't want to be event planners. Um, and we were being recognized more for the floral design. So, um, so we kind of kicked the event planning pretty early on and just focused on floral design. And, you know, at the time there was no Instagram, there were, right. I mean, blogs <laughs> were like just starting to be a thing, but it wasn't even a, you know, it wasn't even a, a big thing. Like it has become, I guess blogs are kind of even out at this point maybe, but, um, it was just a really different time. Um, and it was much harder in a lot of ways to build a business and to market yourselves. Um, you know, like the only website builder at that time was like weebly.com. Oh um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a bunch <laughs> of just like, uh, stock photos, you know, of like little cupcakes and like, you know, just event related things on there. But, um, yeah, so that really like sent me on this path down, um, you know, working with flowers and I fell in love with it really quickly. And, um, and I had no formal training and I hadn't worked for anybody. I really had no idea what I was doing. And I, it was just a lot of, um, a lot of practice. And, um, I, I like to say that like, I basically paid brides to let me do their flowers in the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, which was, you know, a great way to learn and to, uh, get your name out there and all that. Um, but looking back on it, it was a little crazy, um, cause it's so much work, um, as yes. you probably know. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how I really like fell into, to flowers and my love of it just really grew. And I, uh, I think I just worked really hard to kind of find my own footing in floral design and, figure out what my style was or what I was drawn to. And uh, we would just go to the flower market. We really had like no idea what we were doing. And we would just ask lots of questions and probably sound ridiculous half the time and just started learning all the different varieties and what, you know, looked good together and color palettes. And, um, and so I kind of, you know, realized like, oh, maybe I do have this creative side of me that I didn't necessarily, um, think as being my like, you know, strong suit or what I would necessarily pursue. Um, And I think that it was helpful that what came to me more naturally was maybe the logistics and planning side of the business. Um, 
And I think that's, you know, that's kind of a big reason why, like in 2018, I decided to launch a sister company, which is the Floral Society, which is very much related, but a very different business. Um, and I, you know, I saw what was going on in the floral industry and I, we would do workshops and I kind of started to see this shift at some point, you know, many years ago where it was no longer just aspiring floral designers who were coming to our workshops. It was more like everyday people looking for a creative outlet. Mm. Um, and I really thought that there wasn't many places or companies that were kind of speaking to that niche of people. Um, and I think even today more so, you know, it's become um, so much more mainstream in a good way that people are bringing nature into their homes and they want to, you know, try their hand at floral arranging, even if that is like a super simple kind of farmer's market style bouquet in their house. Yes. Um, and so we really, you know, the idea behind the Floral Society was just to take all this knowledge that we had built um, through poppy symposies and through doing weddings and, and floral design for a long time and translate that into um, a consumer brand that, you know, kind of lifestyle brand that could share information and, and hopefully be, you know, we're, we're still very new. We launched in 2018. So we're still like very much building this community of people where we can share information and and, uh, and kind of always trying to create, you know, new products and new um, items that will help people kind of expand their understanding of what it can look like to, um, you know, to have a thoughtfully designed home and bring flowers and plants and all that into your house and, and really what that can do for your, you know, for your life and like your level of joy on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, it's so little, but it can go so far. Um, you know, that's how I feel at least for my own home. Mm -hmm. Um, so I now have poppies and posies and I also have the floral society. Um, and that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a definitely a lot to, to juggle. Um, two very different businesses, but they definitely inform each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we are always, yeah, just looking to design and create um, things that people can incorporate into um, the wedding space, but also into their homes. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed just perusing the Floral Society website and all that you have to offer. It just, it looks like everything is, is not only like thoughtfully chosen, but also um, thoughtfully curated too, um, to just be like simple, but useful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there are other companies obviously out there that are, uh, designing and, and selling things that can be incorporated into a home or a tablescape or a wedding or a party for entertaining. Um, but our goal always when we are thinking about new products or how we're going to develop or how we're going to create or make a new product, you know, always at the forefront is like, is this something that is um, timeless that can like live in your home for a very long time? Mm -hmm. Um, it's not of the moment necessarily. Um, and is it of like the highest quality so that it will last for a long time? Um, sure. I think so much in our world today is 
just um, of this moment. And we expect, we don't necessarily expect things to last um, for a lifetime, but we really do approach it as like, I want you to buy these clippers and like have these clippers for the next, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Um, not have to buy them over and over again. So right. that, that's definitely what we're, what we strive for. I love it. I really appreciate that. Um, speaking of clippers, what are your favorite ones? Well, I started using these Japanese um, clippers many, many years ago. And then when I started the Floral Society and I was launching it, I was like, okay, well, we have to have clippers in our line. That's obviously super important. Sure, yeah. And I was just <laughs> like, I have to make a version of this clipper for the Floral Society because it was the only clipper I'd use. They're more of like a scissor burst, like a traditional um, sure. clipper or like pruner. Um, and the reason that I really love them is um, they can stay in your hand as you work. So you don't necessarily have to like pick them up and put them down. Mm. Um, your, your fingers go through them. And so then you can keep them in your hand and also like pick up a new product and then clip it and then put it in your arrangement. And you, you know, you can occasionally put them down, but you don't have to. And so oh, I that's really nice. Like, yeah. I like how the work flows when I'm using them. Sure. Um, they're also made in Japan. So they're just um, beautiful and made so well and so durable. I, have had pairs, uh, not exaggerating for maybe 10 years. And I use them very hard, um, because it's my commercial <laughs> use and they still like, they're not as sharp, but they like still work very well. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of stumbled upon those. And then I just knew that that had to be our floral society clipper. What does it look like for you to, um, maintain them? Like, do you have a process for cleaning them or sharpening them or anything like you that? Know, I am not very particular. I've realized in life and <laughs> <laughs> this is a good realization, <laughs> which is like, I do think is so kind of a funny thing to learn about yourself, especially when you have a business that is so particular about every detail. Um, but I definitely surround myself with people who are really detail oriented in that way <laughs> um, to keep me on track. But um, so I would say I don't keep, I don't maintain them as well as one should, but probably the best practice is to always dry them, just wipe them after using them. Um, and then ours do come with a little, um, cover that goes over because they are very sharp and mm, they don't okay. lock. And so you don't want to cut yourself, but also that way you can, um, you can put that cover on the blade, um, for storage and then just somewhere dry is probably the best bet. Yeah. Because we don't want those rusting. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I've definitely never had a pair of rust and I, if they were going to, they would definitely rust in my presence. <laughs> 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 I am not like, every time I use that um, with your non-particularness yeah that would be best practice <laughs> oh that's really funny <laughs> okay so we've talked about clippers are there other tools or supplies that you are just like I have got to have these in the studio yeah for sure I mean um we use a lot of floral netting. Um, we have really moved away from floral foam um, as mm -hmm. much as possible. I, I would say actually this past year was probably the first year that we were completely foam free, even for large scale events, which is, is really challenging. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's relearning a whole skill set, especially just mm -hmm. for 
installations. Um, you know, centerpieces, we hadn't used uh, foam in years and years and years, but for installations, it, it's a new, um, it's a new skill set to learn. So floral netting really comes in handy. Um, I also, I feel as though at this point I must have a pin frog <laughs> in oh, all, of my, sure. all of my yes. vases. And the two of them together is really like the perfect combination. Oh, um, you know, I've never used a a pin frog and chicken wire at the same time. It's pretty great. Um, oh man, that could be really a game changer. Gives, yeah. It really gives you stability mm-hmm. um, for, you know, if you have any kind of any blooms or any detail that you're really like highlighting or are kind of like this, um, you know, like a more of like a accent um, element in your arrangement um, that you want in like a very specific placement, the pin frog really comes in handy. Um, Okay. That makes sense. And we, we started sourcing these pin frogs from Japan, again, Japan and their tools, they really know how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, they're amazing. They're just, um, really sharp and they are, they, they don't dull like some other ones that I've used in the past. So again, like we're always just looking for these tools that will last, you know, for a long time to come. Um, so you don't have to keep replacing them cause they're quite expensive. Um, so it's an investment upfront, but then you really, they really last a lot longer, but so that combination is really great. And obviously some floral tape, um, that's waterproof just to hold the netting in. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, loppers are pretty important I'd say to us, um, because we like to incorporate a lot of, um, more woody stems and branches, um, okay. into a lot of our designs. So, and by loppers, you mean like pruners? Yeah. Like a heavy duty pruner, depending on how yeah. big the branches, um, maybe something even a little bigger than a pruner, but, uh, you know, the clippers are really meant for, um, for floral stems, more delicate mm-hmm. things. They're not meant for like big, hard, woody stems. Yeah. Um, like so a cherry also- blossom tree. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Something that can handle that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have to, like, okay. You're off the highway to forage yourself some branches. Yeah. <laughs> you need some loppers. You might need some lob- loppers. I almost said lobsters. <laughs> I don't think we need lobsters. <laughs> to cut they might be able to crack it too. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Oh, and just to clarify for those who are listening, um, when Sierra is talking about a pen frog, it's generally what you think of as a flower frog. Um, but there are actually lots of different kinds of flower frogs um, because, yeah, and you can describe that even more, Sierra, because you have several different kinds of flower frogs available um, mm-hmm. at the Floral Society. Yeah, pin frogs are typically how I think of them is, um, is the metal frog that would go at the bottom of a vase mm-hmm. um, used in Ikebana style arrangements a lot, um, but could also be put in a vase to use for any style arrangement for, for us, it's typically like more of like a garden inspired style. Um, so they have the spiky pins where your stem just sticks into the pin and it holds it perfectly in place. Um, it's really great too, for transportation. So if you're a florist and you, you know, transportation is often stressful to, to deliver, um, floral arrangements to, to parties or weddings. And, um, that 
really helps. I think when you have a pin frog in the bottom of your basin, your stems just kind of stay exactly where you want them. It's really good replacement to the floral foam if you do use foam. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So I would love to move into talking about events or even just, even just at, at home, like when, when, when one is decorating a table and obviously like we're thinking, yes, we're going to use flowers. Yes. There's going to be flowers on the table, whether that be one large centerpiece or a bunch of bud vases or a combination of both, but there's so many other things that can be incorporated to really enhance that space. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd love to just hear from you. What are some things that you take into account and do you have any like practical tips for, for designers to implement? Yeah. Um, we're, when we think about, um, especially if you're designing something for a rectangular shaped table, whether it is just at home, I mean, I have a big eight foot rectangular table as my table at home, um, or if it's for a wedding or for an event, but particularly for rectangular tables, when you have a lot more space to play with, it's really fun to think about, um, you know, varied heights and sizes down the length of your table um, versus just one centerpiece in the center of the table. For round tables, typically um, for events in particular, we'll, we'll do like one low arrangement on the center of a round table, but rectangular tables, you have so much more room to play with. Um, and so, you know, obviously flowers are always our number one uh, most important um, element in a tablescape, um, or what we value the most, but, um, very close behind it, I would say is, are the, the candles that you choose for your table. Um, at home, I, I always have taper candles on my table. Um, and I'm always thinking about height when I put tapers on my table. Um, I like to, you know, vary the heights. And so you might have like a really tall 18 inch, taper candle that's more dramatic and then next to it is like a 12 inch and so I really like how that looks on a rectangular table and if you're incorporating those candles with flowers um, I think it just makes a really dynamic tablescape when you're able to um, to bring in the height with a candle versus the flowers um, it's also less restrictive if you have people sitting around the table who are chatting I find it just so much easier to to kind of have conversation around a candle versus um, a flower arrangement if the flower arrangement were a little too mm -hmm. tall. So mm -hmm. to keep the flowers on the lower side and then the candles can, can play um, the role of the height. Um, <clears throat> we also um, have two pillar candles that we brought into the mix just because, you know, tapers became very popular at some point, especially for weddings and, and remain really popular for good reason. Cause they're really beautiful. And they're like this traditional approach, but, um, with different shapes and different heights and sizes, it takes kind of a more modern, um, a modern look to something that is a more old traditional style. Um, but we were really, uh, 
kind of itching to have some other like shape and size on our tablescapes. And so we started incorporating like six inch pillars that are textured, or we have a nine inch hexagon uh, pillar candle that again, just like adds this different shape. It makes it feel a little more modern. Um, and the tapers and the, the pillars together is really interesting to me on a table. And sometimes, you know, we'll even forego the flowers gasp um, to just be able to really have that like masked <laughs> out like candle look. And sometimes it's yeah. really satisfying, um, even though, you know, flowers are so important to me. Um, but yeah. So, um, and then beyond that too, then there's like all, you know, these holder options, whether they're like ceramic or copper or glass or mm-hmm. whatever the style is, you know, but often with flower arrangements, like, especially for weddings, you maybe only see like a sliver of the vase at the base. And then the flowers are like spilling over the vase with candle right. holders, you really get to like see the candle holder. And so there's something nice about that, um, depending on the material that they're made out of and the style and the kind of look that you're going for. But mm-hmm. that's, I think, um, just fun to, to play with. And that amassed candle look can really be a great option for, um, for florists and, and homemakers mm-hmm. who, you know, are just, who pride themselves on sourcing flowers and blooms locally and there aren't any flowers, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, at the time it could be a really good option for those winter months. And it just is cozy too. It just creates like this really cozy feel. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you, you know, it, it makes it more interesting too, if, especially if it is an event and you have multiple tables or if it's a really big event and you have, you know, 20 tables or 25 tables, like, you could do some tables that are all candles, some tables that are flowers and candles. And I think there is something more interesting about that. And it makes it feel a little more approachable, a little more like of a relaxed mm-hmm. environment and maybe not mm-hmm. so traditional and um, kind of like cookie cutter, like every table looks exactly the same. So um, I think there's definitely um, something fun about forgoing flowers or doing minimal flowers on some tables and more on other tables. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. I'm like picturing it all in my head as you're describing it. Like I want to be at that event. That's where I want to go. (laughs) Anytime we're doing photo shoots at the studio, it's like, we always wind up going back to like these masked out candle shots. They're always my favorite. (laughs) Like on Instagram, they always get the most likes. So fascinating. Um, But there is something really appealing about just masked out candles. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, I guess more of a logistics question, mm-hmm. um, you know, for those who are listening and they're like, I really want to try this, but one, where do I get the candles and holders? And two, how do I price this out for an event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So often there are options like, you know, for the, for us at the floral society, because I, you know, am a florist myself, it was really important to me to offer options to other floral designers that made it more affordable for them to be able to incorporate our candles into their Mm -hmm. designs. Mm -hmm. So we have a trade program, we have a wholesale program, which makes it much more doable. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, I, you know, you might not have like a huge profit margin on say a candle, uh, versus, versus a floral arrangement, but, um, I think it like helps achieve, um, you know, a different look that you wouldn't achieve without candles. Um, and there's all different, 
there's definitely all different um, types of candles as far as quality goes too. Again, like we're always going for like the highest quality possible. That's really important to us. There's definitely less expensive options, but um, you know, important things too, to think about with candles is just like, are they dripless? Um, um, How are they going to burn? Are they going to smoke? Are they going to burn fast? Mm -hmm. Are they going to burn slow? Things like that. So there's definitely um, ways, I think, through like trade programs and wholesale programs, either with the Floral Society or with somebody else too. I know a lot of other companies offer things like that, that help make it, yeah, more affordable to incorporate into events. Okay. So when you say a trade program, Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? So our trade program is uh, you apply, it's very, very fast and easy, but just, we want to make sure that we're really honoring that you are a floral designer. Mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. wedding planner or an interior designer would all fall into that trade category. And mm-hmm. it's just a way for us to say like, you know, thank you for like shopping with us and incorporating our products into your designs. And so we're going to give you 20% off on anything that you want to purchase. There's no minimums. There's no case packs. Um, we have free shipping over $99. So it's like, you know, the trade program is a little different than the wholesale program in the sense that like, we try to make it super simple and easy for people to just like go on our regular retail site and pick and choose things and, and get a discount every time you come. Um, so the trade program's really good for floral designers. And I'd say like interior designers, um, if you're looking to buy like really big quantities or you have a really big, you know, big event or something, our wholesale program's always open to you too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, then you have to adhere to like case packs and minimums and things like that. And we wanted to just uh, that for floral designers who maybe don't need so many and they just want to incorporate it in a smaller way. Yeah. Oh, that's so smart. And, um, man, thank you for doing that <laughs> and thinking of it. That's really, it's, it's smart, but it's also just thoughtful and kind of you to that- serve the industry in that way. I think that like, as a floral designer, I was just always looking for new and different things. I would get so bored with just like, yeah. you know, not to, this is not a knock on the Jamalis of the world. I shop at Jamali. They're a great shop store. They provide like so many necessary tools and objects for floral designers, but you tend to just kind of see the same thing over and over or everybody's mm-hmm. using the same thing. And so I was always searching for things that felt more unique. I mean, all of our stuff is made in small batches. It's not like this mass produced item. Um, and so, yeah, it was just important to me that we made it as accessible as we could to other floral designers and other creatives. Mm, That's really beautiful. Um, thank you again for doing that. And on that note, I mean, you, you guys are absolutely supporting other flower professionals in, in the work that you're doing. And, I'm curious about what, um, how you think other floral professionals can best support one another within the industry. I think that's such a good question. I've, I've actually given it a lot of thought and I often get into conversations where I'm like, we should do this and we should do that. We should get together and all like, you know, form a union or like, how can we help each other? How can we create an industry that works better for us? Um, because we do, there are a lot of 
floral designers and just industry professionals at this point, but there's nothing that like brings us all together. It feels like there's not a lot that brings us all together. Um, and so I always have like these big kind of visions of ways that we could do that and mm-hmm. have more like collective bargaining power and also share with each other, you know, our practices to maybe start to create some kind of like industry standard, which I think would help all of us, um, which is a huge undertaking. Yeah. <laughs> I always wind up like having all these grand ideas and then uh, being like, yeah, but I don't think I have time for that. Um, but I, I would love to see um, more ways for, you know, floral industry um, professionals to come together to just share information. And I think it's a really welcoming collaborative community. I just think that there's not that much, you know, there's not that many like organized ways for us to come together in that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know what the answer is, but, but, um, but I do think that there is um, something, something there that could help all of us if there was a way for us to come together more often. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that it's really, it's really beautiful whenever we do come together. Um I mean, even in the, in the past several years at the team flower conference, that has just been so much fun and just like, I don't know, going to, going to a place where you're surrounded by other flower nerds is just, uh, you just, it feels homey. Maybe that's what I'm missing in my life. Maybe this exists out there and I'm just totally oblivious to it. (laughs) I think, well, I do think that you're, you're on the right track though, because there are not very many opportunities like that. Um, you know, you have workshops here and there and we've had the conference the past several years, but, um, you know, not everyone can, can make it there or whatever. So I don't know if there's a way that we can, I don't know, all collectively organize like a regional get together every once in a while. Um, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that that's much needed because the, the, floral industry has opened up so much more in the realm of kindness and sharing information and supporting one another in that way. And so now it's just a matter of like figuring out what the, some more platforms to do that, like other than just social media or, or workshops or, um, online, you know, gatherings, like what are some other ways that we can do that? And I think one could be just, you know, consistently getting together with with other floral people in your community. Yeah. Um, even like, yeah. Smaller groups of people Yeah, um, within, yeah. Within a closer range to you. I think, right. Yeah, I agree. I do think that could be helpful. And I think, you know, at the floral society, like we've definitely tried to, but I think it, it does fall a little short. It is mostly focused on social media and just trying to elevate people and talk about people and highlight them. And that's super important to us. And mm-hmm. we love being able to share like, you know, what people are creating and how they're using our vases or how they're using our candles to help inspire other people to um, kind of like look at things in a, in a new way. Um, but I'm always feeling like I, I would love to find a way to go, you know, a little further there so that people yeah. feel supported and like, and have that, you know, community, um, to rely on, you know, when you do have questions or, cause things are always changing too, especially right now, like just coming out of the pandemic and how much, 
pricing mm-hmm. has changed and mm-hmm. approach has changed and how, you know, we kind of got to like step back and look at how we're interacting with clients and what our, what our contracts look like, what our proposals look like, what we should be expected of. Um, so I think it is a good time to kind of find ways to have a reset, but as a collective. Yes. Oh, yes. I agree. All right. Well, you know, if you're listening and you have any ideas, then shoot us a message um, (laughs) and let us know, but let's just all like put our heads together and figure something out because I think this is a common desire um, amongst the communities. So surely if it's a common desire, we've got enough innovators here Mm -hmm. and you know, the big idea people, but also the logistics people who, who can help figure it all out. Like, how does this happen and what, what do we need to do to make it work? So I'm really glad that you mentioned that and brought that up, Sierra. And I have just so enjoyed chatting with you. And I just thank you for taking the time to share your heart with us, but also just share your love for flowers and for people um, and for the industry, just with the community. I really appreciate that. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. Well, if you're listening again, you can find Sierra on Instagram at the floral society and online at thefloralsociety.com. When you finish listening to this podcast, just close the podcast app and go to <laughs> Google and go ahead and search it. Um, and I'm sure that Sierra would also love to hear from you. So you can shoot her a, a message and Please come join um, us. yeah. And just remember that you're not alone. You're not alone <laughs> yeah. in this, in this work We're we're all in this together and, um, we're cheering you on here at team flower. And I know that Sierra and her team are doing the same as well. So keep up the good work. Keep loving the world through flowers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Team Flower Podcast, would you help us by leaving a rating and review? The more ratings and reviews, the easier it is for other flower lovers to find the podcast. Thanks for being a part of Team Flower and helping us build this dream together. We're so grateful for you, and we're cheering you on as you go love the world through flowers.